Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... God himself promises to overshadow you with his care. But no matter how you want to twist it here or deal with it or debate it, in this passage, it's on the condition of our obedience. It's on the condition of our mind and our doing and our living it out. Again, not perfect. Attitude and effort. Does your mind play tricks on you? The Bible teaches us that a mind filled with Christ is the most fulfilled and complete. Today, Pastor Jim explains how important it is to fill our minds with the right things. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians chapter 4 with his message entitled, Joyful Thinking. A lot of times, the people who are really living it out are not the people who are telling you all the time that they're Christian. They're just being Christian. They're just loving you. Because Jesus loved them. They're just trying to help you because Jesus helped them. And inevitably, it's almost always someone that God put in your life that was there at the right time and the right place when you needed God the most. But once you come to the place of turning to God and putting your trust in Jesus, I hope you see the place of honor that God has given you, that you get to represent Jesus Christ to the world. What an exciting opportunity but you have to know him to represent him well. The Bible always marries word and deed. Jesus had a word and deed ministry. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God and then he showed people that the kingdom of God was on earth by doing miracles like he was God because he was God. The Bible always talks about knowing and doing. The Bible writers would never separate the two. They would say, if you say, well, I know the Bible, but I'm just not doing it, they would go, then you don't know it. You know, sometimes you hear people say, well, I'm Christian, I'm just not walking with the Lord. The Bible writers would go, what? <laughs> I always tell people, I believe the second half. <laughs> I don't know if you're Christian, but I believe you're not walking with the Lord. <laughs> That's easy to believe. See, it's not just knowing the Bible. It's actually living it out. But it's not just living it out, going around telling everybody you're such a good person. It's actually knowing it as well. And so here he says, those things that you learned, that you received, that you heard, you saw... In me, what you saw me do, you do them too. And the idea is continually do them. Continually live the Christian life. You see, the teaching of the word of God is to help us know God and to become more like Jesus. And how we think about this is critical. How we think about this is critical. And so true Christians hear and think, and then they demonstrate that it's part of them by acting out The truth. And this is something very, very basic. And I don't want to be insulting here, but this is so very basic. The Christian life doesn't work unless you live the Christian life. I hear so many people saying, well, the Christian life didn't work. And I'll say, well, let's talk about that. Bad person to tell, right? And I say, well, let's talk about that. And it's like saying, oh, I joined a health club in January. And in December, I asked my money back because I didn't get in shape. Well, how often did you go? I never went. 
It doesn't work. It doesn't fly. And the Christian life will not work for anybody unless we apply what the word of God says, unless we engage it at the level of the mind, we are thinking people. And then we go out and do it. I hear people say to me all the time, well, you Christians, you know, you're jumping out of the plane without a parachute. I go, no, we're the ones jumping out of the plane with the parachute. The parachute is Jesus. He's the savior. He's the one who's going to save us. Matthew 7, 24, a very familiar passage in the Bible that a lot of people know. Jesus says this, he goes, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, hears them, right? And does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, who's the rock? Jesus, right? Now, most of us know, have heard this before, and if you haven't, that's okay, and you know that a storm came. And the guy who built his house on the rock, right? The storm came and his house was fine. They might've lost a few shutters here and there, right? Maybe needs a new paint job. Maybe needs to do some work. Don't always think that the storm's gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, like Teflon Don or something like that. Nobody's ever gonna get to me. There's gonna be times where it's gonna be difficult. You know, David said, I fought lions and bears to keep the sheep safe. And we think like, oh, it's like scat. No, a fight is, means he probably got roughed up a little bit. So you're going to get roughed up a little bit, but listen to this. Jesus says this, there was another guy who was a fool. He says, the fool, he built his house on the sand. Very interesting comment. What he says after that, we tend not to pay attention to it because we're so obsessed with building our house on the rock. He says that they heard it just like the guy who built his house on the rock, but they didn't do it. What does that mean? That means that we could come in to Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, week after week after week and hear God's word and not do God's word and find out that our house is built on the sand to find out that we have been foolish and God doesn't want that for any of us. The Bible writers took very seriously the power of the word of God and the power of example in a life well-lived for the kingdom of God. Now, we're flawed. We're all flawed. We will never get this perfect, but it is powerful. It requires not perfection. Only one was ever perfect, Jesus Christ. It requires not perfection, but vigilance in our thinking. Again, toss out the garbage and bring in the truth. And so it goes like this. You wake up, it's garbage day. You bring the garbage out to the sidewalk, right? You're like, I gotta get rid of this. It stinks. It's not good. I don't want this in my house anymore. You take it out to the sidewalk, right? Or if you have teenagers, you make them do it. You take it out to the sidewalk. (laughs) You take it out to the sidewalk, and then somebody comes along and empties it, and empties it. What you bring back is empty and you're bringing it back into your house. Here's the question. What are you going to fill it up with? Are you going to take out the garbage and just fill it with more garbage in your mind? Or are you going to take out the garbage and you're going to finally say, you know what? Jesus, thank you for cleaning the inside of my garbage can out. Maybe I'm going to fill it with something different. Not going to be perfect, I know that, but I know that you're going to help me, Jesus, and I know that you're going to be with me, and I know that you're going to forgive me. The Christian life comes natural to no one without filling our mind with the word of God. We're selfish people. Those of you with little ones, right? Just take something out of their hand and go, mine, and you'll see. (laughs) We're programmed that way. We're programmed that way. 
See, we can't expect to live the Christian life without removing certain things from our lives and replacing them with other things. We can't live the Christian life without knowing what it is and what it's not. See, you can only be influenced by what you know. And if you don't know the word of God, that's why I'm so, listen, I'm so excited that you're here. But if we don't stay at it, you can't come once a month and think that it's gonna be okay. We have to stay at it continuously so we can be influenced by the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if you went to those people in Philippi, let's say you visited their church, right? And it's been 10 years ago since the Apostle Paul founded the church and you're just hanging out with some of the people there. You weren't there at the beginning and you go, what was that guy like? What would you hear? You hear, you know what? He wasn't the best looking guy, the tradition says. And we know that his voice wasn't so good. He wasn't such a good public speaker. So we were kind of like, he knows a lot, but man, to listen to him is a little rough. But man, that dude had character. I mean, they told him to stop preaching about Jesus and he looked them right in the eye and goes, I can't do that. Because there's people that don't know Jesus who are gonna go to hell if I don't tell them. Can't do that. What else was he like? Oh, he was really generous. Do you know he had a tent making business because he didn't want to be a burden to us. He didn't want to be a burden to anywhere. Now, if there was gifts, we talk about this in the weeks to come. If there was gifts, he would take gifts, right, for the ministry. But not only did he support himself, but he was generous with his money with us. He was helping us and giving us money instead of us giving it to him. What else was he like? He was really selfless. He told us about how selfless Jesus was, that he was perfect, he was God. He didn't think that, he wasn't walking around going, hey, I'm God, you should you know, bow to me. No, he actually was humble and loved people and met with people who the rest of society thought, well, you're sinners or you're messed up. No, he actually loved on those people. He met those people. He loved them like human beings. Wasn't just like feeling sorry for them, like, oh, get it together. No, and then Paul told us about that, about Jesus. And then we watched him with other people and he was just like that. We watched him going around hugging people that the religious people wouldn't even tell him what time it was. What else was he like? Man, he could love on people, but yet he was so strong. It was like when people needed mercy, he gave mercy. When false teachers came in, he was in their face. You need to get out of here. You're leading people astray. Getting arrested, getting beat up, getting thrown in jail. And the guy was so stable because he was grounded in the word of God. He did the battle with his mind every day, repetitively. And if you wanted to know something, the wisdom poured out of this guy's socks. His mind was chock full of Jesus, not religion, and he was wise. When we heard that he told the Corinthian church, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these of love, we all said, that's the apostle Paul. That's what he's like. What was going on? Quite simply, Jesus Christ was living his life through the apostle. That was it. And here's the big question. Whether you're a Christian or you're not, 
Do you know that's what he wants to do with your life? Do you know that he wants to live through you? Do you know that he wants to love people through you? Do you know he wants to tell people the good news through you? Do you believe he wants to make a difference in this world through you? I don't care who you are right now. If your mind is telling you no, you got to fight that off. Stop listening to yourself. Start preaching to yourself and say, no, Jesus wants to do something with my life. Now, some people, when you talk about living for God, immediately want to reply with, well, where's the grace? Behavior's not that important. Usually the people who don't want to behave say that. My answer is this. If behavior doesn't matter, then why is the Bible always telling us how to behave? You see, what grace is is not that you don't have to behave. Grace is making you more like Jesus. Grace is making you want to be more like Jesus. Grace is that God would use our lives, Calvary Chapel. God would use our lives to reach people. God would use our lives, even though we're imperfect, he promised to help use our lives to help this world. And even though we're imperfect and we mess it up a lot, isn't he wonderful that he promised to forget our sins and to reward us when we served him? Nobody is like that. Nobody is like that at all. This world operates on, you do what I say, I'll like you, and if you don't, you're out. Jesus says, I'll forgive your sins, and not only that, when you get out there and give it a shot with the best you have, I'll reward you for that. I'll reward you for a life lived for Christ. Well, a mind filled with Christ, a life lived for Christ, and the result is number three, a heart filled with Christ. Look at the end of verse nine. He says, and the peace of God will be with you. Now, last time we said in verse six that God said, don't be anxious, pray. Don't let your mind race a thousand miles an hour, pray. And then verse seven, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We talked a little bit about that already. So as we pray, God says, I will guard your heart. I will guard your mind. Imagine this, God will stand guard over you. And then he takes us to the next progression. He says, and as you think about this, now I really believe that this is how he guards our hearts and our minds, is in our thinking. As we think about this, as we do, as we continually live out the Christian life, it says the God of peace, he says the God of peace, very common term in the Bible for the Apostle Paul, the God of peace will be with you. He'll actually be with you. So picture God guarding the camp of your heart and your mind. And he says, I'm gonna guard it if you pray. But if you think through the things of the word of God, if you're living out the word of God, not only will I guard the camp, I'll come into the camp. And what will I say to you? I'm not letting the enemy in. I'm not letting him in. God himself promises to overshadow you with his care. 
But no matter how you want to twist it here or deal with it or debate it, in this passage, it's on the condition of our obedience. It's on the condition of our mind and our doing and our living it out. Again, not perfect. Attitude and effort. Attitude and effort. How gracious the Lord is to offer the protection of our hearts and our minds as well as his presence. And let me ask you, do you know what the presence of God is like? It's very, very difficult to explain, but it's very real. It's very real. And at the end of verse 7, he tells us how it comes to us through Christ Jesus and how true it is that our experience of the presence of God in our lives has to do with our minds and the practice of really whatevers. (laughs) But it's not just in church. Anybody can look good here, right? I remember years ago, a guy said to me one time, he goes, I feel like such a phony at church. I act all holy and then I go out and I live like the devil. Right? I feel like a phony on my job, he said. I'm all good at church and then I go out and live like the devil all week. I go, you're not a phony on your job. You're a phony here. What we are throughout the week is what we are. Not just acting a certain way in our community group. Not even in our time alone with God. But everywhere we go in every day. Sometimes I listen to Christians talk and I get a little sad when I hear people pointing out all the problems with this world without taking a moment to look on the inside. Sometimes I don't think that Christians do enough inventory of themselves. Jesus talked about that. Do you remember? He said, before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, take the big telephone pole out of yours. <laughs> yeah, mind is a terrible thing to waste. Wasting the mind of Christ. Wasting the chance to know Jesus. Wasting the chance to be like Jesus is sinful. It's really sinful. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Our minds are pretty ugly, aren't they? Pretty ugly. But how important to remember that Jesus Christ's grace is greater than our sin. And he can overcome our ugly, ugly minds. Yet, for our part, how important it is to budget our time, how important it is to fight our laziness, how important it is to do war with our sense of entitlement and allow the Word of God to change our appetites, how important it is to have friends whose minds are, not just they're saying they're Christians, but whose minds are clearly disciplined by the Word of God. They are clearly disciplined in the word of God. And here's the thing. How important it is that we're that friend, right? How important it is to not let our minds run wild. Not to choose the moment over God's best. Sometimes I hear people say stuff, well, you know what? I did the right thing. I did what was right. And I got in trouble. I got yelled at. I got mocked. I got treated really poorly for doing the right thing. 
That is, my friends, what the Bible calls, we studied already, the fellowship of his sufferings. That is exactly what happened to Jesus on the cross. Jesus went to people who nobody else in the world would have any time with. They called Jesus the friend of sinners. I don't know about you, but I like being called that. You see, Jesus loved people. He didn't adapt to what they were doing, but he loved people. If you think, man, I've been really bad. You don't know what I've done. You cannot be too bad to go to heaven. You can only be too proud. And proud people are the hardest people to reach with the message of Jesus Christ. That's why the religious people killed them. Because it wasn't about a certain look. It wasn't about certain sacraments and stuff like that. It was about a living, breathing relationship with God and loving other people. Jesus is on the cross and the people are screaming vile things at him and they are crucifying him. Does he lash out? No, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Instead of being all anxious, right, the night before, remember we said this already, he says, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass, but not my will, but your will. And near the end, instead of being all anxious and angry and vile, what did he say at the cross? Father, into your hand, I commit my spirit. Dying on the cross for your sins, committing his life to the one who raises the dead. You know what I love about Jesus? I love a lot of things about Jesus. One thing I love about him is he never asks us to do something he himself wouldn't do. You see, Jesus taught it and he modeled it for us. And he promises to anyone who wants to do the same to help us. If you really want to catch the character of Jesus, read through the Gospels, particularly for me. It's the Gospel of John after the Last Supper, the night of the Last Supper. His friends, he knows, are going to betray him. So what does he do? He washes their feet. And then John 14, he begins to explain to them what's going to happen when he dies. And then John 17, he goes and he's praying for them. Listen to his prayer. John 17, 17 through 19, he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What is he saying? He's saying, Father, would you please just set them apart? They're mine. Verse 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified or set apart by me by the truth. Let me ask you, friend, have you been set apart? Can you say today without a doubt that God has set you apart for his purposes? He wants to. Don't let the battle of your mind fight that off. Picture the Savior crucified on the cross in your place for your sins. See his arms wide open asking you to come close and to see, do you belong to him? Today you can give your heart to him. A soul is a terrible thing to waste. Today you can give your mind to him or maybe your mind back to him because a Christian mind is a sinful thing to waste. 
How important is this? It is so important that God himself became a man and died on the cross for your sins so you and I could give our hearts and our minds to him. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.